0: Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche Podcast, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I am your host Rudo, joined as always by AJ Hayfley. Probably too late to remind you to vote, depending on unless you're watching this live. In which case, if you haven't voted, what are you doing? Go vote. Uh, but I guess some of you probably don't live in America, so you all can't vote. But anyway, <laughs>
1: you all can't you all can't vote in our elections. I mean, I don't think anywhere else has elections right now, do they? I don't. I mean, I don't. Not like like today. I would yeah. be surprised. Yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. Anyway, not mm-hmm. the point of today's show. Today's yeah. show, we are going- no, we're going. We're gonna we're gonna do full election break. Let's <laughs> let's break out polling <laughs> data. <laughs> let's talk about Nebraska's second congressional district and its electoral votes. Let's let's do the whole thing. Let's I, get into it.
0: That could be where Ambrosio played. I don't know. It's somewhere in Nebraska um anyway as the title says today we're going to be talking about jared bednar as the abs head coach we'll also dive into some of the defensemen and goaltenders around the league but let's start with the big topic of bednar uh
1: i love i love these these conversations because it's like somebody randomly has a realization and we're like let's just talk about it
0: yeah right
1: it Avs fans seem to have realized, uh, I remember I tweeted this out at the end of last season that barring something crazy happening, Jared Bednar would become the longest tenured Avalanche head coach um ever. I think in about in about December. Yep. Crazy things happen. <laughs> that season didn't finish. This next season hasn't started. We're going to get into December and he's still going to be like 40 games back. Yep.
0: He could still become the Avs' longest tenured head coach in the coming season, though.
1: Yeah, depending on the length of it, I well, and I can't imagine they play, like, a 35-game season. 40 so.
0: just seems insane, yeah. I
1: feel pretty good about the idea that he's going to he's gonna take over the mantle from Bob Hartley.
0: Which, but that it's, was it's, almost the most surprising part to me, is that Bob Hartley yeah. had the longest tenure of an Avs coach.
1: But Well, and then you think about it, and you're like, you know, the one thing that the Avs have never really done is keep a coach for very long. Yeah. You know, Pierre Pierre Lacroix had a really quick trigger finger when it came to the coaches. True. And <clears throat> you know, not not a criticism outside of the Tony Granado obsession. You know, he turned over he turned over a Ferrari to a dude who wasn't licensed to drive a dump truck. <laughs> So,
0: the CLD license is a little bit different there, but is CDL. CDL yeah. Sorry, yeah. What I, is it? A, a class is that dump trucks? Yeah. I
1: don't know. I would, I would assume, yeah. I would assume dump trucks and and like semis are
0: the same, yeah. Yeah,
1: they would have relatively similar,
0: would make sense anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, the longest being Hartley at 359 games, so that's four seasons basically. A little bit more than four seasons of, of hockey. Yeah. Um, and that guy won a Stanley Cup, which, I mean, look, the the teams that Bob Hartley got to put on the ice and coach probably made his life a little bit easier. Well, uh-huh. but. You think so? <laughs> just a touch. I mean, uh-huh. you know, that, that, uh, the 2000, <laughs> 2001 team, pretty okay at hockey, I guess. Decent. <laughs> but. Bednar arguably could be moving into a team like that, but through most of his tenure so far, has not had a team that good. I think we can agree there, at least.
1: Yeah, you know so, I mean, you keep in you keep in mind Peter Forsberg, yeah. Joe um, Rob Blake, Adam Foot, all in their for prime. a while, well, not prime. Both, yeah. Those guys were all in their primes still. Yep. Um, you know, Bork was obviously at the end. Still had like a fifty-point season.
0: <clears <clears infusions <throat> from guys like Tangay and Hey. Duke. Yeah,
1: Tangay and Heyduke and Drury were all their young guys, all the young guns there. They, I mean, that was it was such a it was such a good team. The problem with that team was that it's depth players. They were depth guys, like you know, like yeah. your your Billy Nemanins and Dan Hynotes, Dave Reed, Stefan Yells, those types, like. They were really good at what they did, but they were depth guys. You and I went back and watched that run. We did yep. it at the beginning of the, of the pandemic. We did it on Twitch. And it's like, a wow, lot of you John guys might remember
0: that sure does play a lot of hockey for this hockey team.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was the 96 team. Yeah, I was. But and still and like I could not get over how much I liked John Clun's game. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, this guy's so good. <laughs> And so, oh my gosh, Sandus Ozelinch was so yeah. good too. Yeah, but funny. that 0-1 team, it was it was almost shocking, like how quickly it dried up. Yep, and how little the guys beyond the top two lines in that series did anything, man. Yeah,
0: it was. Real. It was like
1: there was there was like that one that one goal where Jeff Hodgers had the assist and. Like that was that was it in that whole seven game series. It was it was like that one big offensive contribution from their depth. Yeah, and like obviously you're not you're not kicking down the door, being like, you guys need to score all the points. But you they needed they they could have used a little something else for sure. Because they they lived or died with the success of their top line in that series, yeah. and New Jersey got better. Got better depth scoring by like a long shot.
0: They were getting yeah. scoring from their whole lineup. And
1: yeah. And and that was, it, it was just interesting to go back and watch that. How much that of and... that is
0: coaching? How much of that is just a straight up lack of depth?
1: Yeah. Well, and, and obviously, like, you lose Forsberg. That's a really big piece. Yeah,
0: yeah of course.
1: You know, because like you, you like a guy like Ryan Precht and Drury and even Billy Niemann, and had that was his most productive season. All those guys are nice players, and Drury was obviously huge Mr. in that run. Yeah, <clears throat> But not having Forsberg changed the whole complexion of everything. Yeah, that changes that whole series. But anyway, Bob Harley did a, did a pretty good job, had a pretty good team. Um, Mark Crawford, same thing. You look at both of – I think if you were to say, okay, who were the best coaches in abs history, it starts with the guys that won cups, because how can you not?
0: Crawford and Hartley. It, yeah. Until Bednar wins a cup, it's hard to. And, and, and look, it's tough too, because winning a cup isn't all about the
1: coach, of course. But sure. it's it, something, it says something about him, but who knows what.
0: But at the end of the day, right now, there are two coaches in Nav's history that have a cup. So that's. Mm-hmm. A pretty defining factor. Um, looking on the whole, I would struggle to say that Bob Hartley was a better coach than Jared Bednar.
1: It's but, it's so difficult to compare them because yeah. Bob Hartley had Stanley Cup caliber teams the entire time. Right. And he, he got, walked in and inherited a dynasty, mid-dynasty, and didn't screw it up. And he had, um, we went on to see, he had a good career. He had a good coaching career. Yep. And I – Well, I I mean that – and that's the other conversation
0: about this. Pretty much every Avs coach has – except for Waugh – has gone on to have some sort of continued coaching career in the NHL.
1: Yeah. I mean, we talk about Joe Sacco. Obviously, it's been in his assistant since then where it was – it was obvious. If you watch if you go back and you watch those X's and O's teams, uh they over those those the Joe Sacco teams, yep. They outperformed their talent level. Yep. But they he he was a terrible communicator and his players hated him. Yep. And it's like you're <laughs> What do you do? You know, like okay, you understand the game, you're obviously a great you, you obviously have a great mind for it but you you have no feel for how to run a roster, you have no feel for how to run a bench during a game. Uh your players can't stand you. You clearly can't communicate on a on a on a level that you need to in order to be the CEO of a team, which is what a coach does. Yep. You know, he's he's gone on to a really successful assistant career because all he's had to do is worry about a very specific thing that he gets to be, you know, that he's already, he's, he's good at.
0: In the assistant coaching category, you don't need some of those head coach communication abilities. You just need to be Definitely. like, "Look, this is how you run your penalty kill."
1: Yeah, right. And you're like, "Hey, this is this is what you do." You know, structure wise, he. I thought Bob. I, I thought Joe Sacco, X from an X's and O standpoint, you go back and you watch some of those teams. They they were more competitive they, than I expected. They play
0: pretty tight, given that they were icing virtual nobodies on right. most of their defense and then
1: yeah and then go back and look at those rosters and you're like jesus these are <laughs> this is rough uh the
0: other part of this conversation in, in abs coaching history is if you expand it out beyond what they did with the abs Joe quinville became a legendary coach outside yeah. of colorado after he left
1: a top five coach of all time
0: yeah so and
1: <clears throat> i think that uh You know, I think I think if we were to talk about, you know, is Jared Bettner the best ABS coach? No. Which guy? Which you know? Which guy did the best coaching job with the ABS? It might be Quinville. Yeah, because I- three straight ninety-five point seasons while they were mid-transition from the sackick Forsberg era into. They didn't know what was next. Yeah.
0: The, oh, we're rebuilding for the first time ever.
1: Yeah. The, oh my God, Francois Jaguerre took over the team and we want to start rebuilding through the draft. That was the first time abs fans had ever heard that was 2008. Yep. We want to start rebuilding through the draft. Oh, well now we have the third overall pick and it's Matt Duchesne and we think we're off and running. Yep. And too great, but yeah, it yeah. didn't, you know, we all know how that went, but if you look at what Quinville, you look at the rosters that Quinville was, was dealing with the fact that he had three straight 95 point seasons and got to the second round, both times he was, uh, both times he made the postseason in his first and third years. <laughs> I mean, kudos, like those were not great teams and he got into the second round each time. Did work, which you know, as in, in Avalanche Land, was oh, you got to the second round. Congratulations! This is the most basic event. Everything,
0: especially at that time in Avs history, it was the second round was almost a given for that team. Yeah. So and now
1: and now you look at it and it's it's so funny to me because you see the 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 guys who like hate Jared Bednar and it's like can't get out of the second round with them. And it's like, okay, well, first of all, getting to the second round is hard to do.
0: The last time the Avs got out of the second round was ages ago.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Eight teams make it to the second round. So it's not, it's not like, thanks, dude. (laughs) I appreciate you voting for me. Um. Getting out of the getting out of the second round is not like a birthright for anybody. It's hard yep. to do. Yep. Uh, the abs the abs have come dangerously close. <laughs> two years in a row, they basically have have come as close as you can. They got they got close two years ago against San Jose, and then they inched forward and got into overtime of Game Seven before they lost. Yep. Like they've they've gotten as close to getting out as you can. It's not like they got to the second round and got blown out. And I will say, under Bedner, that's one thing that has not happened, is they have not gotten smoked in any series.
0: Yeah. That Even the Nashville series, they were competitive. Yeah.
1: You look back at the Nashville series with clearly the best team in the NHL that season, in the Predators, going against that Av's team that nobody had any expectations for. And through the first four games of that series, it was very, very close. You know, game five and game six got away from them.
0: And, I mean, that's that's part of the allure. Crawford and Hartley obviously had great playoff win percentages, but third on that list is Jared Bednar. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to the playoffs, Granado obviously struggled. Sacco was a disaster in the playoffs because the team just wasn't very good, and, and Wah yeah. obviously had the disappointing round one series against minnesota and that was it so
1: yeah i mean sacco sacco with the against the sharks in 2010 was even kind of an upstart you know like they that was that was they had a 2-1 series lead against the number one seeded sharks yep you know like that was they they were in prime oh my god is this gonna happen territory and then it didn't but it was still you know it was still close so you know I, I think that uh, when we talk about bedner as a coach and it's it's complicated right like for
0: sure you can't just untangle the coach from the players and and the team identity
1: and you know I think I think he's done a good job like um you know oh well he's had Nathan McKinnon and Miko and blah 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 right yep but on the flip side like Patrick Waugh had Nathan McKinnon.
0: Yep. and Miko Rantanen for a little bit.
1: Yeah. Well, he chose to bury Miko. Yep. That that first year, which not a criticism. Like don't think that I'm uh, saying he shouldn't have done that. I'm fine with it. Yeah. It's real hard to ding Miko Rantanen's development path with how it's gone. I'm not yep. going to not going to second guess any of that. Um but you have to say like the there was a switch that flipped with McKinnon under Bednar. And <clears throat> I don't necessarily know that it happened. It, I, I think it, it might've happened in that first year where the abs were so God awful because if you think Nathan McKinnon had 55 points on the worst offense in a, a long, long time yeah, for him to have had a 55 point season on that team, you know, looking back and knowing how it's how it's gone, that might have been a little bit of a sign of things to come. Yep. But even then, you know, the next season, through the first 10 games, he had five points. It
0: was iffy until he just exploded, yeah.
1: Yeah, until that 11th game against Chicago, where so. they, they put that top line together, and Ab's history has never been the same.
0: Well, I mean he certainly has, has given the players the tools and you're talking about even last, not this past year, but the year before 1819, he got a career year out of like half of his roster. Yeah. Gabe Lanneskog was having a career year, Matt Calvert career year. It, he has consistently brought the best out of his players.
1: Yeah. I think that, well, that's fair to say.
0: and, Look, you're dealing with somewhat small sample sizes here. Totally. But he's also, as we mentioned, going to become the longest tenured abs coach pretty soon. So all the other coaches had small sample sizes to work with as well.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, when you look at, uh, like, his career, like, his points percentage, right, in his career. Yeah. And where is it in abs history? It's sixth. Behind Granado, behind, behind Waugh, Quinville, Harley, Crawford, all those guys. But... And in terms of Avs coaches, just Avs coaches, the only one that has a lower points percentage than Jared Bednar is Joe Sacco. Even now, obviously... That, yeah,
0: even that's hard to dissect because of the first season he
1: There's had. a huge <laughs> caveat here. <laughs> right. Because if you look at it, uh, Sacco's points percentage, it's 514. Yep. Okay. So it's, it's 514. Sacco's was 493. Bedner's is 514. The guys who are immediately ahead of him, Granado and Waugh, 560 and 577. Quinville at 579. The three years, the last three years of Bedner's tenure, it's been 579, 549, and 657. Yep. So that would have put him right in the mix of all of that. He would have been right in there. But that 293 in his first year really drags him down. And it's in, in the same way that under Wah, they were, you know, they, that they had a the first six, year
0: propped him up so much with, in Waugh's case. Yeah,
1: exactly. They had a 683 points percentage uh that year. And then after that, it was 549 and 500. So they got significantly worse under Waugh in the three years. You know, when you talk about is is Bednar the best abs coach ever, he just doesn't have any of that. Con- he hasn't won a division. Yep. I, I mean, Came, if you care, if you care about close. this, he hasn't won the Jack Adams. He hasn't won an award. We've talked about how flawed that award is uh, and why that shouldn't move your needle at all. But not the point. In terms of just raw accomplishments, well, he got to the second round a couple of times is it. You yeah. know, until until he wins a division or a Stanley Cup or at least you know push the conference
0: finals or something, yeah. Yeah,
1: because they haven't been to the conference finals since two thousand two. Yeah. We're talking about a twenty year drought. Not that, again, not that getting to the conference finals is like Yeah, that's not gonna
0: Really, put anything in your trophy cabinet or
1: anything? Yeah, right. And like, it's a it's a nice accomplishment, but it's there have been a lot of one and dones that got there, and it was like, okay, yep, never to to never be seen or heard from again. You know, it's whatever. But I no, I don't. I don't think. I think. I think with this year's this year's team, for <laughs> expectations are higher than ever. I think at the very minimum, you've got to get to the second round. Like that needs to be, that's really when Colorado season starts. Yeah. Get, get to the second round. They need to, they should, whatever's going to happen in the regular season, you just make it. And then they are, they are equipped to, to get in and handle anybody in the West. Yep. They should be okay. And then they need to win. They need, they need to get past that. They need to get into the conference finals. And then you have all of us. if you do that, then you have a coaching record where three years in a row, you've gone second round, second round conference finals. That's uh, pretty long. It's pretty good. Like you're in the middle of a really, really good run at that point because teams, not a lot of teams have even that kind of sustained success. If you go and you just look at playoff history, teams don't advance that way. You know, you don't, like I said, I say it all the time. You're not entitled to winning rounds in the postseason. It's hard to do.
0: Nothing's free for sure.
1: And it's, it kind of blows me away the way that people have dismissed the abs getting to the second round where the same people who, after the abs lost game three against Arizona and were like, Darcy Kemper is going to steal the series were suddenly you know when the Avs, they were like, oh well they they only won the first round series against eleventh seeded Arizona, yeah, and it's like, but a week ago you said that these guys were gonna lose the series to Darcy Kemper. they also and now dumpstered that
0: team in every single
1: game when it came right. to like possession, <laughs> and it's well, and it's like, okay, well, you know, now they smoke them, and it's well, that's not imp- that's not an impressive accomplishment. I would tend to agree that I'm not like Woo, beat those guys, but you can't have it both ways, yeah. you know? Yeah. True. <clears throat> and when it comes to coaching, I'm always, I'm always saying, if you can, you can tell me where coaching ends and playing starts, then you're smarter than I am.
0: Then maybe but you should be the guy awarding the Jack Adams.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> because it's, it's hard. It's hard to separate, you know, Oh, well, what are they getting coached to do? Cause they're, there are things that you and I, when we watch the game, oh well, the power play is not very good. And yeah. we watch, we watch the game, and we see that there are guys who are doing that. They will make decisions that drive you crazy, and you're like, okay, well, he's not being coached to do that. Yeah. Like Nathan McKinnon just decided to pass the puck back to the middle of the ice with an open net. Yeah, guarantee. I guarantee I you. Not asked him
0: to do that. Yeah.
1: Ray <laughs> Bennett is not like, all right, Nate. 40 goal score. If you get the puck and the goalie's not in the net, I want you to pass it. <laughs> I can guarantee you the the power play coach is not doing that. Yeah. And that's the that's the stuff where it, it it muddies the waters. It's hard to decipher, you know, what is what is pure system and what is player execution. Yeah. And there is there's plenty to criticize. This isn't this isn't to sit here and say Jared Bednar is flawless or amazing or without Criticism. He obviously, as is every human being on the planet, is flawed. There, there are issues that that we have taken and we've talked about a bunch over time. The guy's not perfect. It's not. He's not slam dunk the most amazing head coach ever. Which is where the really, really nonsensical conversations always end up going. Is it's like, oh no. Jared Bednar is perfect. You can't criticize him. Otherwise, AJ will call you stupid. And it's like, it's not like that, guys. It's just the guy's proven that he's a really good head coach. And the ones who think that he's an idiot and should be fired don't really have a, a good leg to stand on.
0: I mean, I do. There are only five coaches in the league that are longer tenured than Jared Bednar with their current team right now. Uh, so it is a, a position that turns over very quickly in the
1: league. Well, and we've talked about it on the show before that coaches coach voice gets tuned out pretty quickly. Yep.
0: The players it's, get tired of hearing the same stuff, sure. It's
1: got like a three- to five-year window unless you're in a special situation where something's really, really working for you. Bender's in year four, so that's something I'm keeping my eye on is... How does this group? and it, I think it will help I think it will help that there's been a lot of turnover um, on the roster over the last couple of years. so it's not the same exact group going yep. in year in year out with the same exact message and not getting there. Um, they've they've changed over enough of the roster that the message I think is still fresh with enough of the new guys. And with younger guys that are we're expecting a lot of young guys to come in. And and break in as long as your leadership group is still buying in, I think they have a chance to continue to make the message work. But you look at you look at like a Pittsburgh, you know, where they would have a lot of the same, you year know, after year, yeah, eight to twelve guys made up the same part of the roster every single year. And that's half your locker room that's been hearing the same message over and over and over and over and over and over. And over. At some point, at some point, it's going to get tuned out. It just is. It's just, that's how it goes. Yep. So with Bednar, that's something I'm keeping an eye on in the next couple of years. How does the team continue to respond to him?
0: The Do other, they continue to buy in? The other side of that coin is just this year, the longest standing NHL head coach, and John Cooper finally got over the hump with Tampa yeah. Bay.
1: And that's you know where Tampa Bay gets credit is they didn't overreact to extreme situations. They said, look. This guy is still producing for us. He is still getting the job done. We're still a top three seed out East every single year. We're still a juggernaut. We still kick everyone's ass more often than not. After getting punked
0: in the first round by Columbus, they stuck to their guns and it worked for them.
1: Right. And, you know, there's credit there because that's, that's when you make the move. Yep. That's when you panic and they stayed true to it. And John Cooper, like that guy, that guy's a great head coach. Yep. And even then you talk to, you talk to Tampa Bay fans and they'll all have their frustrations with him. Oh well, he overvalues Alex Kalor and he doesn't do this or he doesn't do that. Whatever it is. Right. Every coach has the thing that drives fans crazy. Yep. That doesn't mean you fire the guy and try and go find somebody better. I would see I would say that the last 2 years there has been abnormal depth on the coaching market at times. For sure because Joel Quinville, Peter Laviolette, Gerard Gallant, those guys have all been on the market in the last year. Yep. Yeah, you know, and that that's where that's one where you're looking at those kinds of track records and you're like, "Damn, dude. That's a, those are pretty good coaches."
0: I, I mean, part of the reason I also draw the similarities to John Cooper. They both, he and Bednar both came up the same way. They were not part of that NHL, I guess you can call it an old boys club. I don't know what to call it exactly, but they were not on the carousel of rotating NHL jobs. These were guys that coached their way up through the minor leagues and eventually made it to the NHL level.
1: Well, and they both won at lower levels. Right, exactly. They, the, and that's, that's where you just wonder, can Bednar get over that hump? Yep. You know, because I I think that no matter how it ends with Colorado Cup or no Cup, this is not his last NHL coaching job.
0: The only way it's his last NHL coaching job is the Avs extend him till the end of time, basically.
1: (laughs) Right. Um, I mean, that's that's it. He's proven himself way too good of a coach to not be picked up quickly. Whenever whenever the relationship does come to an end, I mean, it's it's inevitable. All all coaching relationship you know all coaches have to move on at some point eventually
0: things go sideways for sure
1: so the the question can can they kind of defy time can they you know four years that's a good that's a good run for a coach coaches typically get three to five year contracts kind of depending on the situation and the coach once you start getting into second third contracts you're having you're you're in a good situation and right now right now jared Bender's a no no threat There is no conversation uh, about getting rid of him.
0: There shouldn't be. (laughs) So it's, uh, Speaking of time, we're half an hour into the show, so we do need to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR, which you can get eight of on tap down at the DNVR bar, or you can try dozens of their flavors down at their source, the Farmhouse in Littleton, where they have all of their beers available to you. Highly recommend it if you haven't been down there. You can even get $5 off when you use the DNVR code for curbside pickup. Or of course, if you want to stay local, you can look up the Breck beer locator and find Breckenridge Brewery beer near you. And of course, we have Green Mountain Dental Group as well—the best family dentist in the Denver metro area, located in Lakewood, just 15 minutes from downtown. Super easy to get to, and when you schedule a cleaning, X-ray, and exam, they're giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush. That's right—all you have to do is take care of your teeth, and they'll give you a free electric toothbrush to help you do exactly that. So head on over there—they take awesome care of you. Have. Send you reminders to let you know. When your next scheduled event is, and we'll remind you to get your next one scheduled too. So top to bottom, some great dental coverage for you. Jump on over to Green Mountain Dental Group today. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook with Ruto and AJ. So as we get into the offseason, AJ, lists are starting to come out of the top ranked players at at, at positions from, from various places. First up, we have NHL Network's list of defensemen in the league. It's a little, look, hot takey. It's a little bit. Uh, I don't really have any problems with their 1, 2, and 3 being Headman 1, Yossi 2, Carlson 3. Do we have it? Yeah, here. I can uh, I can pull it up. At least the top 10 anyway. Bam.
1: Yeah, I think headman at head, minute, head minute one is head minute one is fine. Yeah, I agree. I don't really have any problem. I, I think Seth Jones is a little overrated. I would have I would probably have Hamilton in my top three. But I've always been a really big Dougie believer. In your
0: top three.
1: I would have him ahead of Carlson, yeah.
0: That look, I'm willing to agree that Carlson at three is 100% recency bias based on the season that he had. Wouldn't put Hamilton at three though.
1: Um. Okay, I would. He's better. He's better two way than Carlson is. So I'm good with that. I,
0: I, I, yeah. All right. That's fine. Um,
1: um. But I mean, like you're talking. A guy at three or a guy at four, right? At the, at the top, top five, six, either way, whatever. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, Kale McCarr at six is super. Like you're all in on him. Yeah. Like you've decided that that guy is sixth best defenseman in the NHL already. Um, it's it's hot for me.
0: I I don't mind it at six. But this is coming from a guy who said, yeah, Makar's going to win a Norris in the next two years. So, Yeah, I think
1: if, if this if this list is considering future and it's considering, well, what do we think is going to happen next, I think we're all kind of expecting a pretty good year out of Kale Makar.
0: I mean, I guess here's the disconnect for me. I don't understand how you can have Makar at 6 but then Haskin in at 10. Because if well, you're talking about the future of the NHL, it's those two dudes and then the guy they have significantly lower than McCarr at 11 and Quinn Hughes.
1: Yeah, I that the, also Jacob Slavin at 17 is almost criminal.
0: <laughs> yeah, the
1: idea that you you would that, that if a team was if a team was trying to win a Stanley Cup championship this year, you would take Jacob Slavin certainly over Chris Letang. I mean, this is just a crime right here. Brent yeah, I mean, the Brent the Brent Burns love has always been a thing that has irked me personally. Um, it continues to irk me because he's just so bad defensively. Um, but it's fine.
0: Much regressed your dowdy at 15. Yeah,
1: that they put him... I, I don't mind him being at 15 because it's still respect for what he's accomplished and still open to the idea that Hey, if the Kings are competitive, maybe Drew Doughty comes out of a two-year funk and decides that he's good again. Again, we're giving Drew Doughty credit that we do not give any other player in the world. Yep. But, okay, whatever. Uh, Morgan Riley in the top 20 is stupid. Yep, I agree. He's just way too bad defensively. Hard to argue. Like drives, drives, drives play, and is a dynamic offensive dude, but <laughs> so bad in his own zone. I mean, and I, I struggle with that one.
0: Yeah, the thing is, when you go to the fan vote, things get even spicier. As the fan vote has Kale McCarr all the way up at Jeez. three. <laughs> so,
1: did ABS fans get a hold of this thing before anybody else? Like. <laughs> I Kale, like I love Kale McCarr. The guy is awesome. He's awesome and he's going to be unbelievable. But to put him in the top ten today
0: I think top ten is okay. Top five, you're really you're pushing
1: it. Like I ninth
0: mean, the Norris voting, right? So
1: having him ahead of Haskinen I think, is interesting because I think Haskinen's a more advanced defender, already, like, right now. Defensively, for sure. And I don't think their offense is... Like, we saw... I mean, Haskinen was... He was so good in the postseason that it's hard not to think that... I I, I would probably have Haskinen ahead of McCarr today. Just, just like right I, now, I in think this very so moment, they're
0: interchangeable. Like
1: six months from now, you know, I'm, I'm never gonna write off Kale McCarr. <laughs> the guy, the guy is, he has all of the superstar DNA. Where he could do things that we just haven't seen in the modern era. Yeah. Like he has that kind of ceiling, and so I don't ever want to seem like I'm writing off Kale McCarr. It's just that right now, this particular moment. I would probably have Haskinen ahead of Makar, but it would be like Carlson and Dougie. Like, I would have them right next to each other, right. and it would be a difference of one guy is better defensively and one guy is better offensively. I think Haskinen's offense is closer to Makar's than McCar's defense is to Haskinen's, and that's the separation for me, is that what they're better at. Right now I think is a little better at what he's good at than McCarr is.
0: His fan list is all over the place. They got Slavin for you up in ninth, but then they also have Drew Dowdy in seventh.
1: And Seth Jones um is is a great he is a great player, but he's not that good.
0: This doesn't quite drift into the elite category, maybe, but eleven through twenty. You still have Quinn Hughes around twelve.
1: Michael- I mean, Alex Petrangelo at fourteen. Yeah, that's
0: that's pretty criminal.
1: John Klingberg even on in the top 20 is insane. Yeah. I would cool. take I think I would probably take Tory Krug over John Klingberg. It's just yeah. The defense isn't there. <laughs> but that uh and the the guy that's not on either one of these lists, what does Thomas Chabot not play in the league? Like
0: he plays for Ottawa, so he doesn't exist.
1: He's so good. <laughs> I love Zach Wierenski. I would take Thomas Chavotte over Zach Wierenski.
0: Looking through, I want to see the actual NHL list again because I think the only team that has two is Nashville. Carolina. Carolina as well. Yeah.
1: And Columbus.
0: Where's Columbus? Wierenski and Jones. Oh, Jones. Yeah, though. So uh,
1: we're seeing... Top pairings, right there. Yeah. I mean, you have Yossi and Ellis, uh, Hamilton and Slavin. Although I know that I, I don't think they actually play together. Um, and, then and then
0: Jones and Orensky. yeah, who have played together for a long really. time. Yeah, it's it's just interesting to see the death of uh, the elite top four that we used to see in Nashville. That we used to see. You know, teams are trying to build four extremely solid defensemen. And I think a list like this kind of should help set people's expectations where if you have two top twenty defensemen, your defense is extremely good.
1: Yeah. You're in a really good position. Yep. So I mean you look at <clears throat> you look at this list. Headman just won a Stanley Cup. Yossi was in a cup final a couple of years ago. Carlson won a cup a couple of years ago. Petrangelo won a cup two years ago. Yep. And then you get to the guys that haven't really done it yet. Jones, McCarr, uh, Hamilton. Chris Letang has a cup, has multiple cups. Yep. McAvoy has been to a cup final. Hayesoden just went to a cup final. Yep. <laughs> you know, Quinn, Quinn Hughes, uh, Wierensky, those guys, same thing as the other ones. that haven't really done it yet. Brent Burns, Shay Theodore. Been to Cup Finals. Drew Doughty has won a couple of them. Shea Weber. I don't know how deep he ever actually got in the postseason. Yeah, that
0: second round, maybe.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure, but he wasn't. He. I mean, he's been
0: right before they got good. Yeah,
1: he's been he's been a Hall of Fame. I think he's had a Hall of Fame career.
0: An elite player, no doubt.
1: Yeah, and then you know, then you get a little deeper into this list, and And, you know, Carl Carlson. Been to a, um, the Eastern Conference finals at least. Yep. Um, Ellis, same thing with the, He's been to a cup final. And Morgan Riley doesn't know what the second round looks like. <laughs> so, the point is, is that when you start talking about having a top defenseman, there's a strong correlation between team with elite defenseman, team Going success. Team in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, if Bowen Byram can get into this list, if Sam Gerrard could get into this list. Yep, you know the even with Kale McCarr, they're going to be really, really a a heavy load out west. But any steps forward from the rest of those guys, and they're scared. We we don't. We we didn't mean for it to turn this into this, but uh, so often our shows turn into guys. The abs are really good. It's
0: I. Just it's Unavoidable truth. It's weird. Right. It's weird to me because I've spent years on YouTube being like, all right, look, play down the abs. I think they're decent this year, but there's a reason you play the games. They have to prove yeah. that they're good. And, and I think they have. And they have. And and suddenly every move they make seems to make them better, at least <clears> on <throat> paper. And they just Zach, seems to have knocked it out of the park in the off season again this year. And you're looking at this team yeah. and you can't, you can't not think that this team is good enough to win a Stanley cup. Will they, of course you don't know, but on paper, this team is just one of the best in hockey full stop. So we're going to talk about it because yeah. that's just the, that's the facts until it isn't.
1: Yeah. This is why those guys on Reddit call us fanboys.
0: Yeah, every time I see that, I'm like, "Did you like listen to our podcast during the
1: season when they lost games?" And we like, <laughs> it. It kind of blows me away because I'm like, it's funny that we get called the homers and fanboys and all this, but it's like of the media outlets covering Probably the team, one of the most critical. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think we're the ones that I. I and obviously it's easy for us to believe this, but I think yeah. I think we're the ones that are the most fair. Yeah, I
0: I do my best to take my bias out of it or if I'm not taking my bias out of it, I usually say, "Look, I really like Andre Burkovsky."
1: <laughs> yeah, so. and well and like because it's like, "Hey, I we'll we'll draw a line between personally I feel this way or that way." Yeah. But these are still the possibilities. It's still very yeah. realistic that you know, these three things happen. The, you know, Phil Grubauer is never the same and he's not a starting caliber goaltender no matter what I personally believe. You know, whatever, right? Like, yeah, what, sure. Just pick an example of any of these things that we've talked about. Things that could go different over time. Yep. But we could get into the, we could spend a whole show about how media has changed over time and how People, you know, fans of, te- co- you know, covering teams in a professional manner has just changed the landscape. The, the It's just a different world. Yep. yep. Also, I go Caps. Burkowski is better in Colorado than he was in Washington. Sorry.
0: It's like not even close, to be honest. But
1: he won a cup in Washington. So feather in your cap, sir, or lady.
0: All right. Got gotta take.
1: Let's talk goalies.
0: Yeah, we do got to take our second period break before we, we get into the goalies. With Chevalier Mortgage, both Mike and Virginia have been in the business for over 15 years now, so they are extremely experienced. You can reach them by calling Virginia directly at 303-257-6578 or go to dnvrmortgage.com. When you go to dnvrmortgage, Mortgage, you can sign up for a raffle to win free DNVR merch, either a shirt or a hat. So go there and jump on that and also get yourself set up for a free contract consultation with Mike and Virginia, who are not only diehard Broncos fans and CSU alums, but they've supported DNBR for a long time as members as well. They believe your home is likely one of your largest assets and your mortgage, your largest debt. So it's vital to consider your full financial picture when purchasing a home. This includes considering short-term and long-term planning goals, investments, and your tax situation. Mike and Virginia will work tirelessly to find the best loan for you Visit them at DNBrmortgage.com. Be sure to get signed up to win that free stuff and get a free consultation to assess all of your options. <clears throat> Excuse me. Michael Chevalier, NMLS1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS1910631. All right. Goaltenders. The hockey guy, our, our fellow YouTuber, released his list of the top goalies in the NHL. So we figured we'd come back uh, with, with some of ours as well. Uh, he has some pretty interesting ones. I don't really disagree with his his top two anyway.
1: I think the top five is fine. Uh, I have no issues with the top five. You can move them around any way that you want. The top five, I think my top five would probably look pretty, pretty similar to that.
0: A similar I'm, player. I struggle with Price at three. Um,
1: it's just that playoff performance, man. I mean, it's just. Anytime you start to count out Carey Price and you're like, ah, oh, he doesn't, he doesn't have it. Yep. He turns around and it's like,
0: oh, well, I, I dropped a nine thirty on you.
1: Yeah. Like I'm just done counting out Carey Price until his career is over <laughs> or until he has an extended stretch of mediocrity. Fair enough. That's just it for me. But he's a top five goaltender until I arbitrarily decide he's not.
0: Appreciate you doing the legwork for us. Vaguely sober, took the screenshot straight from the DNVR lounge. Come join us if you haven't yet. Uh, so let's move into this second range because things start to get a little bit weirder. I, I'm honestly okay with Bishop at six, uh, um, assuming health.
1: I mean, I, I I have said that he's the most underrated goaltender of the last decade. I feel that way but I still think the guys there are guys behind him that I would take. I would take Robin Lerner. I
0: I think Leonard's the only one you can make a legitimate
1: case for over him. I'd probably take Darcy Kemper.
0: Uh,
1: but that's that's that is all about lack of trust in him getting healthy and staying healthy. Sure. So that's where these rankings are interesting because it's like how do you gauge right. how do
0: you how much do you believe in in Health and and when he's healthy, his play, yeah,
1: yeah. But I still have Ben Bishop as a top ten goaltender, like pretty comfortably.
0: Where where things get a little crazy for me are seven and eight with solo and Hart.
1: Yeah, it's buying in on Carter Hart now. Carter Hart's been a top prospect for a long time. Yep, he's he's taken the starting job in Philly. He's done a good job with it. There's plenty of reason to think that Carter Hart is ascending these rankings. yeah, I don't have a huge problem with him at eight, but there are guys with longer track records behind him that I would like more. I would probably still take, I would definitely take Freddie Anderson. Uh, I would take Kemper. I would probably even take Bobrovsky uh, over Hart for today.
0: I mean, I think you could talk me into Hart up there, but it's a you're still betting on the future, right? It,
1: yeah, if it's I still wanted, almost entirely a future, if role. I wanted
0: a goalie right now for this coming season, I'd take Laner or Anderson over him. But if and I'm, Kemper. At, yeah, probably Kemper too. But if I'm Maybe looking at the long term <laughs> franchise, you'd be awfully tempted to take Hart,
1: <clears throat> yeah. Um, and
0: then Corpus I just don't yeah. understand this at all, like. <laughs> oh Yes, he had a very good season that he split with Elvis uh, Mersliekins in in Columbus, and great. But you're taking a big swing at the fences, putting that dude in the top ten. It just doesn't make a ton of sense to me, to be honest. If I were yeah. GM I would be super wary of Porbazzalo. I'll put it that way.
1: It's this is this is one where you just kind of shrug this off as recency bias. Yep. He had a great postseason and that was it, but he didn't even like hard win the job yep. from Leakins. They split that. Yep. They split it during the season. They split it during the playoffs. Like you can't even say he's the best goaltender. I don't know how you can say he's the seventh best goalie in the league. He's not even clearly the best goaltender on his team. Yep. <clears throat> but not have Merslekins somewhere else on this list. If you're buying in on what Corpus Allo did, you have to buy in on what Merzlikens did.
0: Yeah, I, I'm i with you. It, I don't – and I, I don't super buy into the half season that Merzlikens played either,
1: but yeah, – This is what I'm saying. I wouldn't have either one in the top 16. Right, exactly. So it, kind of a
0: hard sell for me. You get to Markstrom at 9 – I think he's in this range, but I'd have Laner ahead of him for sure. Probable, I'd have,
1: Kemper. I'd have both Laner, Anderson, and Kemper ahead of him. I, I think it's a competition between Bob- Anderson and him, but sure. But getting drilled for the one year in Florida. Yep, and and ignoring like a an excellent career. Yep. How how much is it? Is just it was just a bad year in Florida, right? Because it was a bad year.
0: If but, he puts up a 920 <laughs> next year, he could jump back up into the top five. Like Right.
1: Then all of a sudden you're like, okay, well, that was the anomaly because he's right back to the guy that he has been for the majority of his career. Yeah. The the what's this list is almost entirely recency bias. Yep. I agree. Outside Except, of outside of the top couple of guys who I think are all And top randomly guys. putting Varley at sixteen, but <clears throat> Well, and Varley is one where it's like, if you're gonna go so heavy on recency bias, why isn't Varley higher on this list?
0: Dude just made a conference finals. <laughs> he was
1: he was outstanding during the regular season and the playoffs.
0: Yeah, and right, and then putting <clears throat> Bennington ahead of him is just insane.
1: It's like okay, so you're buying in not in on the year that he had, but you're buying in on the year before where he was fantastic from January to through the end of the season. Yep. That's it. Like, you're buying it on just that. It's – I mean, you're –
0: I struggle with Varley at 16 when you have Ben Bishop at six because Varley's biggest flaw is injuries, just like Bishop. Yeah. So – Well, and
1: Varley, if you look at, like, career stay percentages and stuff, like, Varley's right in there. Yep. So – You know, I mean, it's <clears throat> the, the having Mackenzie Blackwood on here is insane. Yeah, that too is just because awesome. the, you can't make a cogent argument for Mackenzie Blackwood over even Philip Grubauer.
0: Uh,
1: uh,
0: look, Blackwood, I think is a feel good story that he's made an NHL career for himself. Well, he's like that guy was a top prospect. Sure, but it, I mean, it was a it was a pretty long path for him to finally break out. But like.
1: I mean you to talk about long path. Markstrom's been a top prospect that's for 10 true. years. That's true. But this is also why you talk about a 30-year-old goaltender differently than you do a 30-year-old skater. Yep. Because goaltenders are just different eggs when it comes to the aging curve and when they're good. Yep. So that if you get if you get a guy that's Carter Hart's age, bah like you're set. You're in you're an amazing like, position. You ride that dude for a decade. Right. Um, but like with Blackwood. Again, this you're talking about you are completely all in on three months for Mackenzie Blackwood. You're ignoring the rest of it and saying, I know he was a high pick. I know he was a top prospect. I know it's taken a little bit of time, but now that he showed a really high level of play for a couple for for a couple of months, boom, it's real. Yeah like you're he it's all in on that being 100% real. And we know with goaltenders, like, this list, two years from now, this list could be the dumbest thing ever. Yeah, because goalies are just nonsense. Because some of these guys could be out of the like Jordan Bennington could be out of the league in two years.
0: He, I, there are multiple guys on this list that could be out yeah. of the league in two years. Because <laughs> they're not,
1: like, established. You know, I think I, I've said that I think the Grubauer is a top 15-ish starter. This list proves that to me, yep. because if I would, I would take him over. Certainly Blackwood, I would take him over Bennington. I would take him over Corposalo. Yep, I agree. <clears throat> and I would have him on the same on the same level as uh, as a Markstrom, Varley, um, Bob, and even
0: even then, with the guys you have on the list, there's enough of a conversation where if Bob has another down year, Grubauer is going to be ahead of him. If Kemper stops the magic he had in Arizona, Grubauer is going to be ahead of him.
1: Yeah.
0: So, and of course, the other side of that coin is Grubauer puts up an 880 next year and he's nowhere near the top 15.
1: (laughs) Then the abs are going shopping for a goalie. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So
0: it's just so hard to gauge goaltending, man. Outside of the few like a Vasilevsky, like a Hellebuck, like a Gibson that are rock solid, consistent types. And even Hellebuck has been a bit up and down honestly, but
1: well, and his down was still like Pretty solid. Good. yeah, it's <laughs> just that his up has been like Bena, yeah, exactly. So, so I yeah him him even being at, at two is like phew, the dude is so good. yep. and it's funny because like we're not even you're not even considering a guy like Corey Crawford who I think has still been really good since coming back from injuries. Uh, he's just playing on an absolutely terrible Chicago team. I
0: you could probably but throw him in the same Grubauer conversation.
1: Where? What do you? What do you do with that guy? You know, now he's going to go to New Jersey. Yep. To take Mackenzie Blackwood job, like. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> What's Blackwood going to do then? <laughs>
1: right, right. It's kind of a, kind of a, uh, just sort of a weird spot that they're in. Yeah, and. You know, you're you're looking around at who else isn't on that list that you might consider. Uh, you know, Samsonov obviously Samsonov <laughs> in Washington is a guy that you have to love.
0: I mean, yeah, right. And those are guys that are currently breaking into the league. It, three years from now we could be saying, Oh, Eustace and is a top ten goalie. We don't yeah. know.
1: Yeah, I mean Shisterkin and uh in in New York the other, the other New York, uh, with the Islanders, they've got their Russian kid too, who finally came over and is a top prospect.
0: Well, I mean, Florida has Spencer Knight in the wings, like
1: yeah. Well, and Vancouver has Thatcher Demko um, yeah. behind Braden Holpe. like that's going to be an interesting situation too. You know, because the Thatcher Demko hadn't really done a whole lot, but he's been a top prospect, and then all of a sudden. He's, he's insane in the postseason, yeah. and they're like... Has a good two weeks. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, we're not signing Jacob Markstrom because we don't want to protect him in expansion. It's like, okay, dude. All right, be Like, well, hey. That's your nest. You just got to live with it. <laughs> well, and like swapping that out for Holpe. I thought that was a good piece of business. Sure. But they have to be right about it. If Markstrom blows up in Calgary, and he ends up being awesome, and Holpe continues to slide, and... Demko never takes the job. You're like, hmm. mistake. That's that costs you. That that costs you. Who knows how many years in. You know, the prime of Pedersen and, and Hughes. Yep. So. Goaltending. It's very unpredictable. You know, Colorado didn't have a guy on there, but they, as a team had the fourth highest save percentage there last season. So it's like, the
0: ever-present plight of an NHL GM. Just don't be wrong.
1: Yeah, that's it. And well, and and you know, Matt Murray signed a six million dollar deal. He's not on that list. We haven't even talked about it. Yeah, well, yeah, that contract was a yikes. You know, um, UC Soros, guys, guy was a top backup, and he's been an okay starter. He's not. We're not even talking about him in here.
0: Yep. So, who knows? Next season, some Randall could have a nine thirty and and they win a Vesna, and all of a sudden they're in the top five. <laughs> right. So we'll see. Goalies are voodoo. You all know the drill with that. We do got to wrap things up for the day as we hit the hour mark here with DraftKings Sportsbook with the season in full swing and the action still unfolding head over to DraftKings Sportsbook America's top rated sportsbook app with so many storylines across both professional and collegiate sports. Now is the time to check out all things DraftKings Sportsbook has to offer. If you haven't tried the app yet head to the app store now because you don't want to miss this to celebrate this Sunday's action DraftKings is ensuring all new users are covered. Covered Up to $100 in bets. That's right. $100 risk-free covered on Sunday. So be sure to make your bets because you will get your money back if they don't pan out for you. Denver's taking on Atlanta this weekend in a big clash. So that's a great one to bet on there. Of course, you can bet on all sorts of crazy stuff. Football, basketball, table tennis, European hockey, you name it. Even esports, if that's your thing you can bet on all of it over at DraftKings Sportsbook. So jump on over there, get your bets in, download that top red DraftKings Sportsbook app now, and use promo code RAINBOW when you sign up to get this can't miss offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is ensuring your Sunday bets up to $100 with that rainbow code when you sign up for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Risk-free coverage paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. That's going to do it for us. Thank you to everyone for watching, listening, however you consume the pod, as always. We will be back tomorrow as well, probably continuing to look around the league. And, yeah, should be a fun rest of the week. Hopefully we'll have Evan on for free skate Friday as, as AJ will leave us for a few days to, to go quarantine in Canada, like a good boy. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that's it for today's show. And we will talk to you guys tomorrow.